section twenty two of the mysteries of london volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the mysteries of london volume three by george w m reynolds chapter twenty two the alarm the letter in the meantime esther de medina had retired to her own apartment immediately after the strange painful and exciting scene which had taken place with her father seating herself upon a sofa she burst into a violent flood of tears the delicate tinge of carnation which usually appeared beneath the clear transparent olive hue of her complexion was now chased away and she was pale very pale her grief was evidently intense anguish overwhelmed her spirit o oh, esther if thou art indeed a guilty frail fallen being the eye cannot refuse a tear of pity to thy lost condition no for never has even the enamoured poet in his dreams conceived a form and face more perfect than nature had bestowed upon her there appeared too such a virgin freshness about that charming creature who was just bursting into womanhood such a halo of innocence seemed to surround her so much modesty so much propriety characterized her slightest attitudes and her most unimportant words that to contemplate her for a few minutes and yet retain the stubborn conviction that she was a wanton amounted almost to an impossibility and now to behold her plunged in grief alone with her own wretched thoughts and weeping who could believe that the lips on which purity appeared to dwell had ever been pressed by those of the seducer that the sylph-like form whose sweeping undulating outlines were so gracefully set forth by the mournfulness of her attitude had ever unveiled its beauties on the bed of illicit love that the rude hand of licentiousness had ever disturbed the treasures of the bosom so carefully concealed who could believe all this nevertheless as the reader appearances are so completely against her the evidences of her guilt seem so damning that alas there is not a hope of her innocence but let us continue the thread of our narrative for half an hour did esther remain absorbed in the most profound affliction a prey to thoughts and reminiscences of a very painful nature at length she rose abruptly and evidently strove to conquer her grief she wiped away the tears from her fine black eyes and advanced towards the window from behind the curtains of which she gazed into the street with the view of directing her thoughts into some new channel suddenly an idea struck her and she hastened to her writing-desk at which she sat down and began to pen a letter while she was thus engaged the crystal drops ever and anon started from her eyes and trembled on the jetty fringes the glossy darkness of which no oriental dye could have enhanced 
in the midst of her occupation the progress of which was marked by many an ill-subdued sob a female servant entered the room to acquaint miss de medina that her father had just received a letter on some business that required his immediate attention and that she was not to expect him home to dinner the domestic then withdrew and esther finished her letter which she folded and concealed in her bosom it was now five o'clock and she descended to the dining-room but she had no appetite and the ceremony of the repast to which she was compelled to sit down alone was by no means calculated to enliven her spirits quitting the table as soon as possible she returned to her chamber put on her bonnet and shawl and hurried into the fresh air which she hoped would have an exhilarating influence upon her esther drew her veil closely over her face and proceeded to southampton row where she entered a shop at which the local post-office was stationed the woman who stood behind the counter appeared to recognize her and immediately handed her a letter which was addressed simply to a b c post office southampton row to be left till called for miss de medina purchased a few articles of fancy stationery evidently with the view to recompense the shopkeeper for the trouble of receiving her letters and not because she required the things and while the woman was occupied in making up the parcel esther proceeded to read the communication just placed in her hands for this purpose she raised her veil and approached the light which burnt near the window the letter was short but its contents drew tears from the eyes of the beautiful jewess scarcely had she terminated the perusal when she was startled by hearing a voice at the door distinctly exclaim there she is by heaven instinctively glancing in that direction she beheld a very pale-faced lad of apparently fifteen or sixteen gazing intently upon her from the immediate vicinity of the threshold of the shop and close behind him with his eyes also fixed upon her stood a very tall thin old man of most repulsive aspect the instant esther looked towards them the old man laid his hand on the lad's shoulder and hurried him away and esther somewhat alarmed by the incident took up the little parcel of stationery wished the woman a courteous good evening and quitted the shop when she again found herself in the street she drew down her veil and hastened towards the nearest hackney coach stand a vehicle speedily drew alongside of the curbstone for her accommodation and as she was stepping into it she distinctly beheld through the folds of her veil the tall old man and the pale lad entering another vehicle at a little distance she could not be mistaken for the shop sent forth a flood of light which rendered the forms of those two persons plainly visible the coachman had to repeat his inquiry whither he was to drive ere esther could recover her presence of mind sufficiently to reply to the nearest post-office in holborn she at length said why lord bless you ma'am there's one close by here not ten yards off answered the jarvey who was an honest fellow in his way never mind said esther i wish to be taken to another 
the man urged no farther objection but mounted his box and drove away quietly settling in his own mind that his fare was either mad or tipsy he neither knew nor cared which miss de medina could not shake off an oppressive suspicion which had forced itself upon her she fancied that she was watched and for the simple reason that she knew nothing of the old man and the lad her uneasiness increased into actual alarm this feeling was enhanced too when her quick ears caught the rumbling sound of another vehicle behind and she began to blame herself for having ventured abroad at such an hour then she reasoned with herself that no harm could possibly happen to her in the midst of a densely populated city and while people were walking about in all directions but still in spite of this attempt at self-assurance the pale countenance of the lad and the sinister looks of the old man haunted her like spirits of evil but in a few minutes the hackney coach entered holborn and the blaze of light the bustle the throng of vehicles the crowd of foot passengers and the animated appearance of the whole scene dispelled nearly all her alarms the vehicle drew up nearly at the corner of fetter lane and esther alighted another hackney-coach stopped simultaneously at a short distance and her eyes were immediately directed towards it here's the post-office ma'am said the driver of the vehicle which she had hired miss de medina started recollected herself and hastened to thrust into the letter-box the epistle which she had written ere she left home the address on that epistle was t r number five brandon street locks fields this superscription was caught by the sharp eyes of the pale-faced boy who had stolen quick as thought up to the shop window and now stood by esther's side as she dropped the letter into the box when esther turned hastily to regain the vehicle she beheld the lad retreating with strange speed from the spot what can this mean she thought within herself who is it that is thus watching my movements and seriously alarmed she hurried back to the coach giving orders to be driven direct to great ormond street away went the vehicle again and the noise of crowded holborn prevented the jewess from judging by sounds whether the other hackney coach was following for that she was watched she had no longer any doubt suddenly a suspicion struck her like an icy chill could her father have employed spies to dog her to mark her movements circumstances on the one hand suggested the probability of such an occurrence while on the other the character of her parent was of a nature repugnant to such a proceeding he was stern and severe but strictly honourable and esther knew that he was not a man likely to adopt underhand measures then wherefore was she watched and why had the lad crept close up to her as she put the letter into the box the coach had turned up gray's inn lane which thoroughfare was more quiet than holborn and esther could hear no sounds of a second vehicle our readers are probably aware that the generality of hackney coaches have or rather had for they are nearly extinct at the present day a little window behind 
covered with a sort of flap made of the same material as the lining esther turned round and raised the flap to assure herself that there was really no vehicle following the one in which she was but at the same instant a face disappeared as if it had suddenly sunk into the earth but not before the jewess had recognized the pale features and dark eyes of the lad a faint cry escaped her lips and she fell back on the seat a prey to vague but serious alarm in a few moments she recovered her self-possession and again endeavoured to dispel her fears by arguing that no harm could possibly befall her that if any outrage were intended her screams would speedily bring hundreds to her rescue and that after all no real cause for apprehension might exist she arrived without accident in great ormond street and when she alighted at her own door the lad who had terrified her was no longer to be seen her father had not yet returned and she was therefore again left to the companionship of her own thoughts but when she was seated by the cheerful fire in the drawing-room and with the bright lamp burning on the table she smiled at those alarms which had ere now oppressed her the entire adventure now wore quite another aspect in her imagination the old man and the boy were probably thieves who prowled about to pursue their avocation where they could she had most likely been mistaken in the idea that they had entered a hackney coach in southampton row simultaneously with herself but they had followed her vehicle on foot and when she stepped out to post her letter the lad had taken that opportunity of creeping close up to her to pick her pocket having failed by the suddenness with which she had turned round he had afterwards got up behind the coach to dog her to the end of her journey with the hope of still succeeding in his predatory design but when she had looked through the back window he had disappeared such was the explanation which she now arranged in her mind for her own satisfaction but then what could mean the words uttered at the door of the shop in southampton row there she is by heaven fancy again came to her aid to set this point at rest she had most probably been watched by the old man and the lad before she was aware of the fact and they had lost sight of her but when they passed the shop her presence there had elicited the ejaculation from the youth such was the manner in which esther tranquillized herself relative to the little occurrence that had so much alarmed her whether her conjectures were well founded or not the reader may judge by what we are about to relate no sooner had she posted her letter to holborn than jacob who had managed to get sight of its superscription darted back to the second hackney coach which had stopped near the top of fetter lane and leaping in said to old death who was inside the letter is addressed to t r number five brandon street locks fields and that is tom rain's place ejaculated bones well do you follow her get up behind the coach and meet me at bunce's presently away started jacob and when he was gone old death alighted from the vehicle which he had hired in southampton row to follow esther 
dismissed it and walked boldly into the shop where that young lady had posted her letter a lad was in attendance behind the counter my boy said old death in as pleasant a tone as he could assume i just this minute dropped a letter into the box and i remember that i have made a mistake in a particular circumstance mentioned in its contents you can't have it back again replied the boy it's against the rules well i know it is said old death coaxingly but it's of the greatest consequence to me to alter a particular part of it and if you'll oblige me here's half a crown for your trouble thus speaking he displayed the proffered coin now half a crown was a great temptation to a lad who only earned eighteen pence a week in addition to his food moreover the master of the shop was absent at the moment and not very likely to return in a hurry for the boy knew he was with a party of friends at a neighbouring public-house and thus old death's silver argument was effectual well i s'pose i must said the youth but don't tell anybody about it though what's the address t r number five brandon street Locksfields the boy unlocked the letter-box selected the particular epistle and handed it to old death who threw the half-crown on the counter and marched off with the letter he could not restrain his curiosity until he reached seven dials or any other place which he was in the habit of frequenting and accordingly turned into a public-house in the neighbourhood there he ordered some refreshment seated himself in a corner of the parlour and carefully opened the letter in such a way that it might be resealed without exciting a suspicion of having ever been tampered with he then read the contents which ran as follow i sit down in anguish of heart to pen a few lines to you to you whom i love so sincerely but whom i must never see more my father has just made me take a terrible oath to that effect and so determined was his manner so resolute was he so stern so severe alas that i should be compelled to say so that i dared not refuse to obey his command and yet you know that i am as devotedly attached to you as ever all i have suffered all i have undergone on your account must convince you of my unchanged unchangeable affection do not then think ill of me on account of the oath which my father wrested tore from me my god how my heart palpitates as i write these lines oh if you knew the state of my mind you would pity me i am wretched heaven send that you are more happy than i alas cannot you take compassion upon me upon me your own tender esther and quit the path which you are pursuing it is not too late to do so it is never too late all might yet be well my father would forget the past and we should be reunited think of this ponder well upon it and remember how much happiness will be wrecked for ever if you persist in a course which i tremble to reflect upon to be connected with a highwayman is dreadful pardon me forgive me for speaking thus plainly but you know how sincerely i love you and if i write that terrible word highwayman it is merely to fix your thoughts the more seriously on that point what must be the end of this course of life public infamy or perhaps a scaffold 
again i say forgive me for writing thus i scarcely know what i commit to paper there are moments when my brain reels as i contemplate the subject of my letter i can write no more perhaps i shall find a note from you at the post-office in southampton row i hope so and i also hope that i may discover in it some cause of satisfaction to myself adieu dearest adieu esther the contents of this letter sadly puzzled old death they were quite different from what he had expected to find them but without waiting to reflect upon their nature he obtained a piece of sealing-wax from the waiter and so cleverly closed the letter again that even a clerk in the general post-office could not have told it had been opened he then retraced his way to the shop in holborn where it was originally posted and threw it back into the box this being done he bent his way towards toby bunce's house in earl street seven dials End of section twenty two